curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. Today, I have the very good fortune to be joined by the Vice President of Sales for Industry E-Commerce Provider Distributor Central, as well as President of Heritage Construction and Restoration, Tiffany Tarr. In addition to her double duties leading those two organizations, Tiffany is also Past President of the Board of Directors for the Promotional Products Association Midwest. She's also wife to Jeff, mom to Brody and JT, one of the most loyal Kansas City Royal fans I know, which drives me absolutely crazy as a Detroit Tigers fan, and has enough energy and stamina to make even the most robust of us pay tribute. And last but not least, I'm proud to call her my friend and occasional partner in shenanigans. Welcome, Tiffany. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. It's awesome. Always fun to have people that I know because I feel like I can ask questions based on not just the information I want to know, but the context of our relationship. So, you ready to buckle in? I, I hope so. <laughs> I'll be kind, I promise. Because, you know, I've kind of known you for a long time. Yeah, and I've known you probably since I started volunteering so that I've been in the industry 11 years, so that's, we're looking at least nine. Yeah, wow, time flies. And, you know, I mean, I've told you this, so it's not a big secret. Uh, You know, I I admire you very much for how tireless you are just in your efforts to meet and get to know people in the industry. And, you know, there's all this talk about it being a digital age. And I hear people all the time complaining about their inability to bridge that gap between uh, the relationships that they have on social media and the real physical relationships that people have. And, you know, you don't seem to have that problem. So I thought maybe there might be people out in listener land who might be interested in hearing a little bit about your efforts, the way you've gone about making that happen, and you know maybe some advice that you might have for people when it comes to that. So you, you okay with 
that one? Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think that maybe the way that I've approached my relationships has been face-to-face before it's been social media, if you will. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why. Um, I don't know that I... I, I think it's because I've approached most of my relationships face-to-face. And if I've approached them via social media first, as soon as I've had an opportunity to interact, I've made it an effort to seek that person out um, and just and to put a voice with a face and a name. For sure. And so that might be the difference. Well, and, you know, if you think about it, um, you know, our industry as a whole is very active online. Mm-hmm. And it is not uncommon to be able to find a sizable portion of the people that you might do business with in some version of the internet, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, where, I mean, you know, wherever there seems like everybody's out there. And I I think the crutch a lot of times is we've been coached to think that it's okay to skip, skip the personal side and spend the time on social in advance, and you're doing it like exactly the opposite. So, you know, and, and to me, in a lot of ways, that drives this addiction to social media. But if you if you if you aren't willing to take that additional step to knock that wall down between whatever version of that person is presenting to the rest of the world on social media, you don't necessarily ever get a chance to equate the reality of the human being with whatever version they've created for themselves digitally. I totally agree. Um, and I think it's interesting to look at somebody's persona on it from a digital standpoint and then see their persona or how they interact or how they engage with people in a face-to-face interaction. Um, I personally prefer that face-to-face interaction. So I, I, I do try to seek people out in any type of an environment or any type of a, a gathering or anytime I'm traveling. Um, I would rather have that, that one-on-one, that kind of that, that really physical ability to engage with somebody at that level. Well, and, you know, to a certain extent, I think it's a function of your personality because, um, you have a warmth of your own personality. And I think in a lot of ways that's driven by physical interaction and that in many ways that, that feeds you in a way that sitting at a desk, staring at someone's timeline doesn't do, do, do for you. No, I absorb energy. I don't absorb energy that way. I absorb energy when I'm moving and I'm out and I'm not sitting behind my desk. Which would explain why you have that stamina, right? So, <laughs> because if the energy of the social interaction that's physical and in person is a stimulus for you, then when you're spending time at a networking event or, you know, doing anything that we do in those places where we find ourselves interacting with one another, mm-hmm. it is absolutely energizing to you. And, and not everybody in the world has that luxury. But on the other hand, if we're in the business of person-to-person interaction and transaction, how can you avoid that piece of it and expect that you're going to have success? I guess is no, really what it comes totally down to. totally agree. So... Um, but I also know that that wasn't on the day that you decided that you were going to make this your career, that wasn't necessarily your strategy. So, so talk a little bit about like what your thoughts were when you first came into things and kind of how that's evolved over time. 
So when I first got into the industry, I was, in my personal opinion, really young. Um, and when I got into the industry, it was on, like everybody else was on accident. I didn't mean to be here. And I didn't know anybody. Um, I felt like I was working for a company that really didn't know anybody. Um, so you didn't even have that to, to your benefit? No, I right? didn't even have that to like, fall back on. to kind of like crutch me up until right. I got some legs under me. Um, and so I started traveling by myself to shows. I don't know anybody. Um, and I decided that that sitting in my hotel room was not ever going to get me where I wanted to go. It was just, it was going to be completely counterproductive. I don't get energy that way. Anyway, I was never going to be as good. Um, if I was not engaging with people and getting to know people, I knew that. Um, so I didn't know what else to do. So I started, it's like natural geographic. I started just <laughs> going to places where I knew people were, whether that be a bar or if it was a happy hour or if it was just in some sort of a networking event, I would go and I, and I know that this might sound crazy, but at a, at a natural level, I'm slightly shot. So I, it's kind of, I have to psych myself out a little bit to put myself out there. Um, I'm not just always out there. It's like a mental to mentally decide that that's what I'm going to do. And so I did, I would just psych myself out. I'd go to whatever the event was and I would just watch people and I would just look, I would look around the room and look at the people I felt like either knew a lot of the people around or it looked like they were holding themselves in such a manner that they were demanding presence. They were controlling their space. They were controlling just, just their overall presentation, even in a social um, standpoint. And I would watch those people and I literally just started copying it. I just started mimicking what others were doing in the herd and <laughs> made that my mission um, just to get to know people by watching their mannerisms. Um, I was a waitress in college, so I pride myself on my memory. And so I would memorize what the kind of drink they were drinking. I'd memorize like their name. I'd memorize as much information I could, as I could gather and then use that as my opening conversation or my opening line to get to know them. Well, if you walked up and handed me a beer that I was drinking and said, hi, my name is Tiffany, chances are I'm going to talk to you. So, yeah, I mean, it works. So, <laughs> so but the, the notion of having to psych yourself up for that, right, because I'm sure – um, there's people who are going to be listening that know you that would say, I can't believe that Tiffany is saying that she has an element of shyness to her personality. But, um, there's, there's lots of us. I think there's more people that many of us would say are popular is not the right word known people who are known in the industry for one reason or another that are not natural extroverts and m many people and I would say to you that even I, in many ways, share that same characteristic. I just have a tendency to hide in plain sight. Instead of yep. hiding in the places that nobody can see me, I'd rather be a part of the energy, even if it means I'm not the one driving the bus. I would enjoy the opportunity to sort of witness the interactions between other people, but the brilliance of it was I was never smart enough to think to study people enough to try to mimic people. So um, in many ways, like... That's the master class there is to, to, to understand how to give yourself a framework of how to operate. But the difference being is like I know with certainty and I, I'm going to give you the chance to tell me, but now you are uniquely yourself. And sure. Oh, for sure. There may have been yeah. moments where you were adopting what you saw, but 
So, so talk about a little bit about that evolution. Like, how did you go from wallflower observer to participant to feeling confident and capable in that space? Um, you know, one of so I think that when I was just and I was brand new, I knew nobody. I would just watch who people were talking to, and I'd watch suppliers that I knew. Um, or vice other vice presidents of sales because that's where I wanted to get to. Even when I was new, I knew that that was my path, and I knew that's where I wanted to be. So I would look at that level of person and look at who they're engaging with, who they're interacting with, and how can I make that work for my personality? Um, my personality. I mean, I'm very much very aware of my personality flaws, but <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you. I will detail them for you. But I know who I am as a person, and so I looked at that behavior and I looked at how they were go- taking customers to dinner and how they were bringing customers with them to events and how they were making those social interactions work for them in a financial or a lucrative standpoint. And those are the behaviors that I was watching. I think that anybody could go to an event and have a really great time, but unless you're taking that opportunity to have a really good time and spinning it back into how can I get to know this person better? How can this person and I leverage our relationship together so that it's both socially enjoyable, but it's also lucratively, financially beneficial as well? Um, Because I'm in a position at Distributor Central where I'm working on both the supplier and the distributor level, I was able to take those relationships that I was gathering or relationships I was building at a social level Um, I think most people think I'm enjoyable to be with. I would take that I'm enjoyable to hang out with and, you know, we can talk about anything and I have a a working knowledge of most subjects, but how can I take that relationship with a supplier and turn it into, I can also help you from a sales and marketing standpoint and here's how. Mm -hmm. So I was using my mimicked behavior to build trust and then taking that and making it putting, making it my personality and making it work for myself and for my company. So there's some themes that are evolving in our discussion. So energy is important. Uh, I think part of the reason why you and I gravitated to one another is we share that desire for that energy portion of, of interaction between two people. But, um, the idea of our industry and just how incredibly social of a $20 billion marketplace the promotional products industry really is and how trade show driven our industry really is, which is literally the physical interaction between two people. And if you're not doing it well, you're not taking full advantage of all of the time and investment that you've made to participate. So why not? use those interactions to your advantage and to me like so I, I would say as, as we each look at our time in the, in the industry so you know both 10 plus years at this point I think how it's evolved for me now and, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this is I'm less concerned now about whom it's going to be and I'm more focused on if you're if I want you to be in my tribe if I'm looking for people to be in my tribe there are certain personality traits, energy elements that I'm looking for to say, like, I know I'm going to be comfortable having you be part of my tribe. But the other part of this that I find just thoroughly interesting about the promotional products industry is, again, even in this $20 billion marketplace, if you pick a tribe, 
the people in that tribe can absolutely make each other very successful. And oh, I completely agree. And and the fact that um, that's not discussed often enough uh, between the members of the you know the practitioners or practitioners of our industry to me is like if there's something to take away from our discussion amongst the other things that someone might get is this notion of when you're picking your tribe, part of the responsibility should be the investment between those people and trying to help the other person be successful. I agree. Um, I am fortunate enough to, when I first got into the industry and there was a few people that observed me observing the way that things are happening and they were like, Oh, goodness gravy come here and let me help point you into the right direction so I made some errors um in those first few formidable years and at working in within the industry and I was lucky enough to have the right people or enough people see that I had some sort of value and I was working towards a goal to grab me and say listen sister let me help you let me help direct you in a let's, better direction. Let's rein this in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, let's just help you. Right, <laughs> and I'm right. so happy for that. And that's, um, I don't, I, I'm smart and I'm capable and I, I do a good job and I work really hard and that is all fine and good. But if there were not a handful of people that took me under their wing or pointed me in the right direction, I definitely wouldn't be where I sit today. Yeah. Lord, Lord only knows, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could have been a lost cause. You never know. <laughs> For sure. Cause this industry could chew you up and spit you out or it can embrace you fully. Yeah. And you have the power to decide what's going to happen to you within this industry. Sure. Um, but it can, it could be, it could just, it could really whip you or it could make you a better person. And I was lucky enough where it made me a much better person. Well, and, and what I've seen you do that I'm so grateful, I guess is the right word to watch is to watch you turn around now and reach your hand out to the people behind you to try to do the same thing. And if we, we all have to, um, I think for this, I mean, if we're like talking about herds and tribes, I mean, just for the natural survival of the industry, we all have to, we all have to make each other better. And I think one of the unique things about our industry is, is that it's been, it's, there's suppliers making other suppliers better. There's distributors making other distributors better. There's distributors making suppliers better and vice versa. Um, it really stops at that. I mean, I just, I don't feel like, I, I just, I don't, I feel like regardless if you're competition or not competition, most people are there to help. Sure. That whole... And inform you and get you, get you the resources and get you the information that you need to be successful. Yeah. That, that whole rate, rate rising tide raises all ships. Right. So, yeah. so that, that, that kind of brings me to kind of the next topic that I wanted to ask you. So like the beautiful thing to me about person to person networking is the immediate feedback that you get. Mm-hmm. And there's still no better way to find out how you're doing in your career, in your business, in the products that you sell, than to pick up the phone and ask people that you trust to give you feedback. And and if you've not done a good job in building relationships, that makes that job extraordinarily more difficult and time-consuming. And if you're trying to introduce new products and services to the marketplace, if you don't have that, if you don't have that opportunity to speak to someone who can be honest with you and share, it's not saying that you can't be successful. It just, it's going to 
hamstring you and limit your ability and you just have to get incredibly lucky to get it right without the feedback and, and that can be a challenge so as it pertains to distributor central you know the unique part about it is unlike a supplier who has a, a specific customer base and unlike a distributor who also has a specific customer base your product is for everyone in the industry not one uh-huh. or the other so how do you think your ability to build relationships with people has made distributor central a better product uh, I think at I think at our entire executive level, all of us are building re- the right relationships to make that interaction happen and make Distributor Central a better company moving forward. Um, I have people in the industry that I mean, I have these ideas sometimes, and so I have a really solid core of people that I'll call and be like, "Hey, I have an idea. It's probably <laughs> weird, but let just hear me out. Hear me out." Um, I think, I, the, and, I think I may have been the recipient of a couple of Oh, videos. yeah. There's <laughs> about 10. Like, here's the deal. This is what I'm thinking. <laughs> and and I have that on both the supplier and the distributor side. And sometimes I've had ideas, and we've had ideas at DC that are great. And it's, it takes that one person or that one mentor, that one friend that you have to say, you haven't thought about it from this angle yet, and here's why I think that you need to do that. And it gives you the opportunity to hone your craft and hone your development or make your marketing piece the best it possibly could be before it gets out to market and you're testing it in the open. So having the ability to be able to test theories at a personal level has dramatically impacted how we've rolled out or how we've approached markets. Oh my gosh. And, and to watch the evolution of your product has been an absolute reflection of that. Um, I, I won't mention the person, but I, I literally had a conversation with a very good friend of mine yesterday that is very, it's, it's very specific to the topic that we're discussing. And the unique part about it, like, I know there's some people thinking to themselves that maybe they have something that they would like to share with the world, but they're afraid. Yep. And how do I overcome that hurdle of the fear that I feel over people saying my idea is stupid or, you know, uh, coming across as naive or... I haven't spent enough time in the, the development of it, but this this person that I'm referencing, I've come to recognize that what that person does is shares with me in conversations elements of things that are under development without saying to me, I have an idea, what do you think? Yeah. And, and more just giving me bits and pieces of what's in development conversationally in person-to-person interactions just to sort of study what my reaction is going to be. So I would say for people who are challenged with that idea of like, I'm worried I'm going to sound stupid. I'm worried that I'm going to be told this is a bad idea. I'm worried that it's going to appear like I'm too naive to have that. There's, there's a multitude of ways to be able to test market your ideas without necessarily having to be so bold as to pick up the phone and call someone and say, I want to run something very specific by you. So yeah. So another thought here is like be authentic to yourself in the context of if you have ideas, feel comfortable with the way that you would want to share those. And it doesn't have to be as direct as I'm going to pick up the phone and make these phone calls and put myself out there and be scared. And so I won't do it. Find a way that's comfortable. most of the time when I've done this and the best way to do it is if you get stuck with something on an airplane. I mean, (laughs) you can... Hey, dude, what's going on? Here's kind of some things I'm thinking about. 
or when you're sitting and you're getting a cup of coffee in the morning or when you're waiting in line at a trade show, you can like have those levels of conversations and pass back and forth information and just watch the reaction. Cause I'd rather see somebody's physical reaction, um, versus an emailed reaction or, or a reaction that I can't feel and get energy from. So I have a group of friends and I won't identify them, but I have a group of friends who inevitably are going to tell me why any idea I have is wrong. And, oh, for sure. And I, I, earlier in my career, I would fight that person, challenge that person, or maybe even just not even share it with them because I knew what I was going to get. But as I've gotten a little bit older, I actually appreciate those viewpoints as much as any because absent the emotion of feeling bad about that person every time telling me that this is stupid or here's why it won't work. Sometimes little pieces of things come out of those interactions that had I not been willing to take it to Eeyore, who is going to shoot it down, I wouldn't have been able to make some of the things that I was going to do as good as they could possibly be. Right. Completely agree. So the idea of like, don't just take your ideas to the people that you know are automatically going to pat you on the back and tell you how great they are. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I've also had the good fortune of having some mentors. So beyond sort of what I'll call the Eeyore stage of people who are, are not going to, no matter if it's like I've solved world hunger, they're going to tell you why everyone's going to get cancer from the food you're going to grow. But the next group of people I take them to are my mentors who will tell me like, okay, so let me ask you seven different questions about the ways that you would need to structure what you're trying to do in order for it to even have the possibility of success. So it's so desperately important. And if you haven't spent the time in building the relationships with people, how are you ever going to get to that place where you have that trust and that opportunity to be able to, to really grow in a way that maybe you wouldn't otherwise. All right, so I think, I think we kind of, we're making that part of this clear, but to me the fun part of it is like, I've also been on the other side of some of the stories that you've had around things that have happened when you've been in the mix, right, of in the middle of all of those people and all of those interactions and it being energizing and it being stimulating for you. So I know you got to have a story in there about a connection that you developed that maybe happened in an odd way or like an unusual result of a relationship that you had that maybe you might want to share with somebody. You got something there? Oh, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I think that all the interactions in our industry are slightly weird in some capacity, but um, most of the relationships that I feel like have happened and then have been just some of the best relationships I've had have been at random. They weren't, I didn't plan for it. I wasn't prepared for it. It wasn't a meeting. It just happened. Um, about five years ago, Keith Lofton and Brian Porter asked me to go to gospel brunch on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. And I was like, dude, love it. Let's do it. And they're like, we're going to bring this guy, Bill. He's from Vegas. It'll be cool. And I was like, okay, cool. And it was Bill Feldberg at something inked and him, we met and like, we just thought each other were really cool. And then we would, and then I asked Brian for a formal interaction, you know, a formal introduction. And then that's turned into knowing the Schneidermans, who I think are just some of the absolute greatest people. And they're so funny. Um, and big D's always got really good advice and has a funny antidote. He can tell me. And 
I, they just, they make me laugh. They make me better people. They give me insight to the industry. I did not know that was out there. And, um, and I don't know that I would have naturally got the opportunity to meet them if I had not have gone to a weird event. <laughs> so, and had you not just been willing to say yes. And, yeah. and I'm guessing knowing you the way I do, if it wasn't gospel brunch, if it was one footed roller skating in the park, like yeah, you probably would have said yes. Right. Yes, I would have. And so the idea of like, it's Sunday, what else am I doing? So why not do that? And what that's meant for you for the, the richness of the relationship that you created as a result is a great testament yeah. to that for sure, right? And then that's turned into networking and be having like the best level of introduction that you can get at the supplier's level. Um, I don't know. And they just, they'll just go to bat for me. If I really needed something, I could call those guys or I could call, you know, Porter or Key. I could call those guys like, listen, I need this and here's why. And they would ask no questions and they would just do it. Yeah. And that's tribe, right? Yes. So I'll try. All right. So, um, you were with me at expo. We didn't get a chance to talk about this there, but I, I'm going to guess that you saw what I saw. And what I saw was way more young people than I've seen in like the whole time I've been going to expo. Mm -hmm. Um, in a lot of ways, I felt like there were some people there that I was like, I remember when I was you <laughs> and it was really awesome to see that because it's important for the industry to be able to continue to uh, imbue ourselves with that kind of young talent. Um, so do you think that the world that the 20-somethings that we're seeing now have grown up in are going to prevent you and I from being able to still be successful in that way from a networking perspective? And do you have any advice, I guess, because I think I've watched you do this with some younger folks and do it successfully. How, what have you seen from a compare and contrast when it comes to the younger generation? Um, are you saying that I'm not still in my 20s? Because I think that like... Well, in our, we act like we are, but I mean... Um, I think that as I get older, and I, and I am, I'm not new and shiny anymore. I'm aware of that. But as I get older, I think it's just your mindset. I don't want to look at somebody and look at just an age, just like I don't want somebody to look at me and look at just a woman. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I really see that. Um, and I think it's still just staying. I think that, I think that having a younger group of people in the industry will keep me, keep myself personally on my toes, which I need. Um, I think they bring in a level of viewpoint that we might be missing. Um, just like, I think that there's a generation maybe, like slightly above me that keeps me on my toes sure. because they're going to keep you honest and they've been around and they've got a level of background that the generation below me and in my generation doesn't have. And I think that we all just seem, I, I just don't see age as like a number, I guess. And I, and I don't, I see more I see so much value in both sides of that age gap or that age level that I don't see any negative either way. I, I don't see how they could prevent me from being successful in the future. Totally. I, I, I'm with you 100%. What I, what I guess what I'm more interested in is like um, when, my, when my kids have their friends over to the house and they, these are all, you know, early to mid-20-somethings, their interactions are often interrupted in ways that I don't feel like ours historically have been because they're so distracted and I literally have walked into a room where there's been 
six people in a room not having a conversation because they're all staring at their phones. And, yeah. And so if you and I are energized by the physical interaction and we're dealing with distracted people who can't give us that boost that we're looking for from the interaction, to me that's going to be the, like, should I text you so that you'll pay attention? Should I send you a Snapchat from the other side of the bar so that you know that I want to talk to you? Like, it'll be interesting to see how how the evolution of the interpersonal relationship will continue with people who are really distracted. Now, having been having said that, you're distracted, I'm distracted, everybody else we know is suffering from those same distractions. The difference is they grew up with those. Mm-hmm. We, we learned them. So it, it's going to be interesting to me to see how that all works out. And I think that there's something that, you know, I kind of probably fall on both sides of it where I am a little bit on my phone too much, and but I do get energy from social engagements and being, you know, one-on-one with somebody or in a group of people. And I think we have something that we could each learn. Um, I think that if we could just show them, you know, as we're interacting or with them that how much energy and how much how much fun it is to engage with people on a face-to-face basis is, then I think there'll be just a natural progression of as they get older and as they're more comfortable in a work environment, becoming less distracted and more engaging. If they're already not. And just like to me, if, if, and I, I don't know how many, like what the demographics are of my listenership, but the, the idea of like, the richness of what you have available to you is right in front of you. So please be present and you will be rewarded in ways that you won't be able to recognize otherwise. So to me, it's like being in a position to be able to help that person out of that distracted um, moment into like being present and being okay with walking up to someone who is literally on their phone and trying to engage with them to have them realize that there's a real live person standing next to you who would like to yeah. talk to you, right? Like, and, and I feel like for a lot of times, for me and you, like, if you're not there and I'm in a social environment, how I'm using my phone is to try to find the people who I wish were with me to get them to feel like they're there. And, yeah. and that's like when the technology is best is when we can use it in that way to, to build the phys- to bridge the physical gap between me not being able to be there and you guys all hitting me up on FaceTime because you're all there and you want me to know that you're all thinking about me. That's, that's when you're using it for good instead of evil. And yeah. there's absolutely ways for that to be done. So, uh, you know, I hope as, as, we, uh, as we get to this last question that we can uh, challenge folks to think that way. So, so kind of last up is I know there's people out there going like, okay, I listen to Roger all the time. He's a super outgoing guy. I've hung out with Tiffany. She's super outgoing. They're both so outgoing and extroverted. It's easy for them to sit there and preach to us about blah, 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 and energy and all of this stuff, right? But if it doesn't come natural to them, what would be your advice to the, the people who are listening who aren't necessarily energized by that, that you would want them to know what to think about when they're making their way into that room full of strangers? Um, I'll just tell you kind of what I deal with. So um, it usually happens in January. It's usually because I've been home for five or six weeks or seven or whatever. Because the holidays. The holidays. I, when I get in my car to go to the airport for that first trip of a new year, I have to talk to myself the entire way to the airport. (laughs) No music, no nothing. I 
to completely psych myself out. I have to just, I've just trained my mind to get outside of my body and just, this is how, this is how things work. This is how you talk to people. I just have to go through some like coaching techniques and like some relaxing breaths before I get, and then by the time I get to the airport, I'm usually okay. And then once I'm in the mode, I'm in the mode, but there are, if I've been, if I've let myself get out of the habit and I've been in the office like for weeks on end or at home for weeks, I have to put myself back into a place where I'm telling myself that this is okay. Mm -hmm. You're okay. Everything's going to be fine. (laughs) It's just words. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. Um, and I don't take myself very seriously. And I think that that helps. I just don't take myself that seriously. There's just it is uncomfortable as I think I might be, or is whatever. Nobody else is thinking that I'm absolutely the only person yeah. who's judging what my hair looks like, right. or what clothes I have on, or the words that are coming out of my mouth. I'm the absolute only person judging me. Nobody else is judging and I just have to kind of get myself there. Well, and here's, I guess, if, if, if we're going to leave this, right, um, there's not a whole lot of bullying that goes on with grown adults in, no, in, there's not. in in-person networking events. No. But go online and watch all the bullying that happens. And it doesn't matter how old you are, what color of skin you are, what gender or race you are. If you're online, there's some bullying going on. Yeah, but, I just don't get myself involved in it, and I don't pay attention to it. But take, but take yourself to a networking event, and like, are, how often are there people pointing at you from the corner and laughing at you? I mean, and Never. if they are, it's because we did something stupid that warranted us. Yeah, it's probably because I slipped on the in, like on the doorway in. <laughs> right, right, and and at the end of the day, when we do that kind of stuff, all everybody says is, "Oh, that's Roger." That's what. And, <laughs> and I think that online it misses the human factor, and when somebody can interact with me at a face-to-face level, then the human factor is there. And it just, it takes down all the walls, in my opinion. Like, I think that all that online stuff just gives you a fake persona and fake walls that you can live within. And those are all stripped down when you're down to, like, a face-to-face interaction. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, as as we leave the group, as we leave our discussion today, I want to thank you again. You know, we, like, I'm selfish to a certain extent about talking to you because... We, like the energy we get when we're hanging out and having a good time. I mean, I'm hoping that folks will sense that. And hopefully if that good feeling takes people away from this to the point that they want to go seek that out from themselves, it's just, just, just like everything else and every one of these other things, it's just, just try, just try. And yeah. what's the worst that could happen, right? You can go. I out. honestly have more fun working and at this age than I did in my twenties. Me too. This is so much fun. If you just put yourself out there. So that's what we're going to leave you with. Have energy. If you don't, put yourself out there and good things will happen. Tiffany, as always, thank you so much and I can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you. Bye-bye.